So this episode talks about Black Lives Matter again, the NBA not having basketball, why we've come to this realization and some conversations that we need to start having aside from the rioting and the firing violence. And again, our media failing to call out the 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 felonies that are taking place the the rioting the children of the corn shit that we're witnessing cnn needs to start saying that rioting is bad if they don't it's going to continue to get worse and it's not just cnn it's everybody this isn't a black or white issue this is an american issue and this is what this episode is designed to talk about please like share subscribe i hope to have more fun podcasts in the future but until life as we know it tries to get back to normal, we're going to continue to have these kind of episodes. All right, everybody love everybody. Good afternoon. How are you people doing? Thursday, like Wednesday, there always seems to be a new headline. And the headlines seem to just always center around the Black Lives Matter movement. It's a pressing topic. Like, you you feel bad for African Americans in this country, specifically ones that aren't given the same care and respect as fellow Caucasians and even Asians and Hispanics. But at some point, we're going to hit a point of no return on on a lot of these dangers. So Jacob Blake, an African-American male with a very convoluted story, just like George Floyd, approaches his car with the intent to wield a knife. Now, I don't know the whole story, but the media notoriously does a great job of murking the actual facts because they have a narrative to spin. Whether it be Fox or MSNBC or the notorious CNN. It's hard to get an actual grasp around what's actually happening when all you see is opinion pieces. It's all opinions. Just like that opinion that I read that he was trying to wield a knife and the police officer wrongfully shot him in the back. See, the people on the right, I can relate to a lot of them. But I don't understand how they can defend the George Floyd death, even though he was, like, drugged up. And they said that he likely would have had a heart attack anyway. These conversation pieces of trying to defend the police actions for these specific instances because a man was trying to wield a knife. We can't keep going back and and generalizing so goddamn much. We have to really focus on what we can do to fix the problem. The instance with Jacob Blake, I I don't know the whole context, but the cops shouldn't have fired him in the back. I I don't care. A man can go into a church and kill a dozen black people and get apprehended without force. And yet black men in this country spend a fraudulent $20 bill 
have a warrant for their arrest, for whatever it might be, a speeding ticket, sleeping in their bed, and yet somehow we come out of it with some uh, with a black person losing their life. This is this is the argument, right? So then you have people on the radical end of this very skewed conversation where black people are saying, listen, we're tired of being killed for doing lesser crimes than what white people do. And they get put in a jail cell and we get put in the ground. People on the other side of the argument, the right side of the argument, also compel us to consider that white people are getting apprehended and also losing their lives. They're just not losing them on television like they are happening with black people. And the argument is that white people actually lose their lives more frequently from bad cops than black people because there's more of us. So if that's the case, can we at least meet halfway and say that maybe we need to start discussing reforming of the police? How we police our country. I mean, we should have already started doing that with our prison systems, the privatization of of our prisons, and the fact that we motivate non-profit prisons or for-profit prisons to stay profitable by keeping people in prison. You're more likely to be a prisoner in this country than an armed service person. There's like over a million prisoners in this country. It's insane. So I get it on both ends. I can empathize more with the black with the black side of this than the white side of it because I understand their frustration. They are a minority. There are less of them. They feel like they're being marginalized. They want to be heard. So how do we How do we resolve this issue? How do we fix it? If you live in the middle of nowhere, like we were talking about yesterday, where you live in the middle of central Pennsylvania or Kansas or Michigan or Texas, we don't have police officers. We have sheriffs. We have deputies. The Turnpike has state police. Densely populated urban centers, they have police officers for each borough or precinct. And I don't necessarily agree with this. I don't agree with the notion to disband the police because, or to defund the police. Because I do feel that there there are places for the term police officer. There is a term for that. There is a place for it. But if African-Americans in this country feel marginalized, maybe the right answer is to not necessarily defund the law enforcement, but to channel it in a way that allows them to kind of pick what kind of law enforcement they want. Because most African-Americans in this country still want law and order. They still want to feel safe at night. And you can only present that... In a way that makes sense. But see, the problem is, is that this conversation isn't happening in a practical way, in a practical application. Because you've got Marxists on the far left end of this conversation who, frankly, identify as Democrat, but they're not. 
See, black friends, if you're listening to this, you have to understand this perspective. That your call to action has to come with strictly that, a call to action, which is to not disband the police or to defund the police, not to be hyperbolic, but to have a practical application of saying, listen, in Milwaukee, for instance, maybe we don't want city police anymore. Maybe we want to take on the responsibility of having a different form of law enforcement. What does that look like? Same thing for Minneapolis or Portland or Seattle or Los Angeles. You pay your property taxes. Those dollars should go and allocate towards those things. But you can't expect your security, your sense of safeness to stay in place if you're wanting to overhaul that. Unless you're trying to do a call of action and provide an application that fiscally and ethically fits the model of what law enforcement looks like now. When you have Gen Xers who have no jobs piggybacking onto your movement and whitewashing it, right, mind you, they're making it about themselves. Don't get it wrong. They want to watch shit burn. There might be a handful of young black people that want to watch shit burn too because they're frustrated. But let's be clear. A lot of this, a lot of this is being fueled by a socialist Marxist ideology that yeah, there are black African Americans in this country that identify in that group, but it isn't everybody. We gotta quit putting them into buckets. In fact, we need to stop looking at black people as a group. How about that? That's what they want. They want you to stop putting them in a group, the vast majority of them. They want you to see them as a human being, they don't want you to see them for the color of their skin. They want to be, that term white privilege, as I've evolved as a person, I still don't like it. I still find it to be discreditable. I find it to be disrespectful. And it really prevents people like me who are passionate about making equality a a reality. Not so much wanting to be a part of it because what I find you're doing is you're being divisive by putting labels on things and saying that I'm privileged to be white. The only privilege of being white in this country is is that I get labeled as the villain in everything. Every white male in this country is assumed to be racist. The term ally often applies to African Americans or people of color. But it doesn't apply to white people, specifically white men. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a damn ally. But I'm not going to burn Portland down. I'm not going to burn a city down in order to get that title. Do you hear me? I'm just not. I'm a reasonable human being who can be empathetic and understand the frustration. But forgive me, but I'm just not, I'm not going to destroy this country or the democracy so you can get your, your vengeance to get your pound of flesh. Not going to do it. Just like COVID, every government from all 50 states had to make decisions. Now, the CDC gave out 
requirements, and then they gave out suggestions of what needs to happen to slow the spread, right? And each governor made decisions based upon those CDC suggestions. Some of them took them to the max. Some of them didn't do any of them. And we watched 50 states in this country, from Pennsylvania to Arizona, have a completely different outtake or a completely different outcome based upon their local government and their state government's decision to handle that. Well, the same should be applied to our law enforcement. Defund the police shouldn't be a a mantra that is spread like a wildfire from county to county, from state to state. That needs to be a conversation that occurs within the confinements of the cities that are being victimized. Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, just to name a few. I know there's more, but you get my point. How do you even begin to digest the world around you if you're going to generalize that all these things need to happen for all these states? This is the reason why we're so divisive. This is why nobody can get along. This is why everybody can't be friends anymore. Because if you immediately empathize with a cause, it immediately means that you mean it for everybody. Listen, I don't want to defund the police where I live. And maybe most of Pittsburgh doesn't want to defund the police. But there might be a couple areas that have a denser population of minorities in it that they say, hey, we don't want the police. We want protection, but listen, we don't trust you. So we want to appoint our own law enforcement. And guess what? Let's try it out. Instead of their tax dollars going toward the police, it is something different. There still has to be law and order. And if they can't get it done, just like local police officers, they can call on for help or backup if they need it. Maybe you don't call it the police. Maybe it's a hybrid. But this is how you kind of dampen the fire of bullshit that's going on. And Trump should be saying these things, right? This is the problem with Trump. For all the good he has done, he's also done a tremendous disservice to African Americans by not suggesting these things. Immediately, he goes takes off the kid gloves and he he starts throwing haymakers saying that we will have law and order. No, no shit. We're going to have law and order. We know that that's the, that's the objective, but how do we apply that application of law and order to the world when there are people that feel like they're being disenfranchised? And when you have people who are losing their lives and there's no justice for it, there's no call to action for it. Those things cause problems. This is, this is the problem we're facing as Americans, is that we are a diverse country. We're probably the most diverse country in the world. You hear me? That's a fact. You want to talk about marginalization and minorities and people of many different colors and races. There are people of all religions and creeds and colors here and there are always a group that is marginalized black people have been the consistent marginalized group in this country since forever but there are arabs they got their 
they got shit on for a really long time, probably almost 20 years because of 9-11 and all the wars in the Middle East. Before them, it was the Italians and then the Hispanics. Before the Hispanics and the Italians, it was Polish people, for Christ's sake. I mean, there's always been a group, whether the color of their skin, it was where they came from that made them a problem. Before the Polish, it was the Irish. For Christ's sake, there's a list. There's always a group of people that get partially marginalized. But black people have consistently been at the front of that line. And they're tired of it. So LeBron James and Kyrie Leonard and a handful of other basketball players are saying they're done playing basketball this year. They're going to boycott. Because playing sports takes away from the movement. Well, for those people in this country that are struggling paycheck to paycheck, for those people who are stressed out because their life is under under tor- torture and torment, and they feel like they're being marginalized and they're scared to leave their houses, don't you think that basketball brings a little bit of comfort to them? It's something to get their mind off things for a little bit? The psychology of it? Or do we want to continue to go down this road of ominous behavior? Because if we keep going down this down this long line of ominous thought, it's going to overcome us to the point where we're going to have mob rule. As a white man in this country, I know there are places in this country that I as a white person cannot go late at night. I never told people this story, but I was in downtown Atlanta when I was stationed in Fort Benning, Georgia, and I was driving up to see my girlfriend. And I was low on gas, and I was driving a Malibu of all cars. Why does that matter? I'm just painting a picture. And I was running low on gas, and I stopped at a gas station. And when I went to the gas station, I didn't have a card at the time. I just had cash, and I handed the man $20 in cash. And there was a bullet hole in the glass that protected him from me. There was glass that was between him and I. I never saw anything like that before. So I go to pump my gas. And there was a gentleman that was of a different color who approached me. And I'm already on edge, right? Because I just saw a bullet hole through glass. It was not normal for me to see that. And he goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, and mind you, I wasn't right off I-85 or I-95, whatever it was. I got lost in Atlanta at late in the night. And he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I got lost trying to find a gas station. I had a, I had a Magellan at the time. It wasn't back in the day when you didn't have an iPhone. You had a Magellan and you had to find a gas station. And he said, you really, really, really should not be here sir and I said why he goes because when it gets dark here he said people that look like you get jumped they get their cars stolen they get their stuff taken and he wasn't friendly about it he was very firm about it and in that moment I thought I was going to get jumped I thought I was going to get robbed I thought I was going to have my car taken and he said I'm going to do you a favor he said I'm going to drive you 
through the back road to get back onto the freeway. And I followed him onto the freeway, and I made my way to Spartanburg, South Carolina. See, that's a story where a, a white person couldn't be in, in, a, in a really bad part of town. Unfortunately, that's what it was. It was a bad part of time, bad, bad part of town where there were black people that just didn't want to deal with white people, and they didn't want them in their area late at night. It just was their thing, for whatever reason. I don't know the story. For those of you that live in Atlanta, maybe you can give me some context because that's a true story. I don't know anything else other than that very basic conversation I had with him. It's not like I asked him what his favorite color team was or his favorite team was or what kind of beer he wanted to have or if I could do anything for him. It wasn't anything like that. It was a basic conversation that lasted less than 60 seconds and I filled up my tank and I felt like I was being escorted out of their area, to be completely honest. But that story isn't going to resonate. That story doesn't have a victim in it, right? Maybe I, as a person, was marginalized for the first time in my entire life, which isn't the truth. When I was at Fort Benning, I was in a heavily minority MOS. A lot of African Americans in my unit, and I got accused often of generalizing way too much. And they took it personal. So much so that they felt the need to counsel me on it. Because I was too comfortable around black people. Can you believe that? My chain of command, my lower chain of command, not my upper chain of command, my lower chain of command from my squad leader to my section leader to my squad leader to my platoon sergeant. They all said, Fair, you're too white to be in this unit. And you need to just shut up and work. I'm doing better financially, ethically, academically than they are now. Not because of the color of my skin, but because I never looked at a person and thought, that person looks like they could be a staff sergeant. That person looks like, looks like they could be something else. You can't, the value of one's heart and their effort never mattered in that unit. It's what you looked like. So I know what marginalization looks like. I know how it feels to be marginalized in a group of people. But outside of the military, I get it. It's not that way. There aren't these little... The club is that you're not white. I get it. So instead of having these practical conversations, it's all or nothing. You think the way I do or we can't be friends. How did humanity ever exist before social media and CNN? How? How would you feel if you went to a restaurant and everything you ordered, you could make at home? How would you feel if the clothes you bought, everybody wore the same thing? 
How would you feel if the thoughts in your head, the feelings that you have, the decisions that you make, they were all the same with everybody? Think about that. What makes us amazing as a country isn't the fact that men are losing their lives. That's a horrible thing. It isn't the fact that women are being murdered in their homes. Those things are horrible actions. But what makes this country amazing is our individuality is allowed to exist. You can go to a restaurant and ask for vegan. You can go to a store and ask for a size 11 shoe. You can get economy or you can get the premium stuff. You can buy you can go to a movie and get those really nice seats that vibrate or you can get the cheap ones. You can shave your head or you can grow your hair out. You can be gay or you can be straight, you can be trans. Well, you can be the, all those things in other countries. Yes and no. Yes and no. See, what's going on here is what has already happened in Europe, and it is cancel culture. If you don't believe in the cause, and you don't believe in helping me, or not necessarily helping me, but aren't willing to be an advocate, then damn it, you're gone. You don't have a job. You don't have anything. This is where we are. Individuality only is allowed to exist if the individuality is a part of the marginalized. So as we close out, what happened to Jacob Blake was a travesty. Maybe he should have went to jail. Maybe he should have went to jail for a while. Maybe he is the villain. But when the villain is is assumed to be murdered, or his life is to be taken, but yet people of other colors are allowed themselves to survive these vile acts, how is that democracy? How is that equality? How is that equal rights? Speeding ticket, you shouldn't lose your life. Threatening somebody's life, you shouldn't lose your life. You should go to jail. But that's the argument. And when I go on to Candace Owens page and I and I hear these lazy ass comments from the right of people saying he deserved it, don't put yourself in these positions. I don't want to hear that. I don't. He was given the opportunity to survive. That's all I want to hear. So I hope you guys, honest to God, have a wonderful evening.
my next podcast I hope to do will be a little bit lighter. We got to do better. And that includes both sides. Black, white, blue. Blue referring to the police. And we need to begin to have those conversations. If a local borough doesn't want police and they want community organizers, then so be it. But those community organizers need to be armed. They need to be able to protect themselves. Do you hear me? If that's not with the gun, it's got to be with a way to incapacitate. And here's the reality. If you give these this group of people what they want, these urban communities, people that don't agree with it, they'll leave. People that do agree with it will stay. And if it doesn't work, they'll leave. Or they'll stay and they'll try to go back to being the police again. How do you not know if you're not willing to try? See, I don't have to worry about that. Because where I live, I don't want the police gone. And neither does anybody else. We're fine with what we got. But maybe they don't feel like that in these cities. So why not give them that opportunity? If it works, amazing. We should have did it forever ago. If it doesn't work, then we go back to the drawing board. But unless you're willing to try, this is going to continue to be the action. And to these police officers who keep making bad decisions, you shouldn't have been a cop and therefore you should be sued. If you're not going to be charged with murder or manslaughter, the very least you do is you get your ass sued for every dollar you're worth. You should not be Shooting people that aren't armed with a gun. Period. If you cannot defend yourself with somebody who's wielding a knife. And you are given the tools as a law enforcement officer. With a taser. With with pepper spray. With rock salts for Christ's sake. There are ways to incapacitate people without putting your knee on their neck. Or pulling the trigger on somebody. There just is. Not all of us are asking to be Conor McGregor. We're not expecting to spar these dudes that got knives. When I was in Iraq, I was attacked by like a 55-year-old man with a knife. And it ended poorly for him. And I could tell you, I still regret those actions that day when I was in Iraq. But that still doesn't change things. My regret doesn't change the fact that there's a man that's not alive today. And the same actions could go for Brianna Taylor and all the other ones. On the other side of this, I, I do want to bring this up. In Pittsburgh and out where I live, and this was an action that was actually done by a white guy, a drug dealer. There was a hit that was said to have went down at the wrong house, and, and this kid in his early 20s, fired his gun at a, into a house. And a friend of my friend's mom died. 
She got up out of her bed. She walked into the living room. She goes, something bit me. And she keeled over right there on the floor and died because a man fired a gun into her house and shot her. The bullet went through her walls and hit her and she died. There was another incident in Pittsburgh two days ago where a black child was murdered because somebody gunned, took, took a gun and shot into their house. Let me tell you something. If you aren't man enough to look a man in the face when you want to try to take their life with a gun, don't do it. I would never do it anyway. But the fact that we're seeing so many cases of just horrible violence, firing guns into homes is bullshit. I shouldn't have to worry about that. When you're at home, you should be safe. Telling you guys, it's coming to a head. With that said, I hope you guys have, yet again, an amazing evening. And I hope to talk to you soon. Everybody love everybody.